Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Koinonia Church Message Library. Our hope is that today's message encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We are confident that God's Word is living and active and is relevant for us today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. It's great to see you all connecting and uh, enjoying each other's company. It's good to be together this morning. Good to have you with us online as well. And we are in week two of our series called Scent, which is eventually (laughs) going to take us into the book of Acts and how the early church was sent by Jesus and what that looked like. Last week, uh, Pastor Brian acknowledged that before we go in response to being sent, there are some things we need to take a look at in our own hearts and lives. We need to pause and reflect and be positioned and prepared to go. And a question that Pastor Brian asked last week was this, what is silencing your faith? What is silencing your faith? It's a good question. We're going to look at that some of the things that might be silencing our faith further this morning. Jesus, when he came, one of the things that he said frequently was that he had been sent by his Father. In the book of John, the Gospel of John alone, 34 times, Jesus, that's more than once a chapter, that's like one and a half times a chapter, Jesus said he had been sent by his father. This was a big, big deal to him. And he said that he had been sent to do the will of his father. Here's a verse for you in John 6, 38. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is... You ready for what the Father's will is? You know, often we want to know, God, what is your will? Tell me your will. Jesus says it right here. My Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son, that's him, Jesus, and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. That is the will of the Father that Jesus was sent to accomplish. And he accomplished it, didn't he? You remember on the cross, what did Jesus say before he gave up his spirit? It is finished. It is accomplished. What Jesus had been sent to do was accomplished. Now, many of us in this room... Many of you viewing online this morning have experienced what Jesus was sent to do. We have experienced the life that Jesus came to give us. We have experienced the reconciliation with God, the repairing, restoring of relationship with God. We have experienced the forgiveness of our sins. Wave at me if you've experienced those things this morning. Isn't that amazing? So good. But Jesus didn't just call us, you know, save us so that we could go about life like normal and wait for Jesus to come back or to have eternal life in heaven one day. 
That is not what Jesus saved us for. In fact, the Word of God is very clear that we, as followers of Jesus, have been called to continue the mission that Jesus was sent to accomplish. You and I, not just pastors, not just preachers, not just missionaries, Every single believer, every single person who has received eternal life from Jesus has been called to continue the mission of Jesus. There are a few things in Scripture that tell us this. For example, in John 20, 21, Jesus said this, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Wow. Then we have the Great Commission. It's a pretty well-known passage in Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore, therefore, go and make disciples. That's right. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then in 2 Corinthians 5, we're told that we're ambassadors. Did you know that if you're a follower of Jesus, you are an ambassador? Isn't that, that's pretty cool, isn't it? You are a representative of Jesus to the world around you. Wow. You have been given a ministry of reconciliation, that passage tells us. You are called by Jesus to help repair and restore relationship between people who are far from God and God himself, because that's what Jesus came to do. We're ambassadors with a ministry of reconciliation. We're called to share and show the love of Jesus with people so that relationships can be restored. So, we have been sent by Jesus, like he was sent by the Father. We've been commissioned to go and share the gospel. We have been made ambassadors, representatives of Jesus. How does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? I can tell you how it makes me feel. In fact, I'm going to show you how it makes me feel. This is how it makes me feel. It's deep, isn't it? Yeah. I think you're going to be able to relate. So we got sent. What the task requires. We've been sent. We've been commissioned. We've been made ambassadors. Ambassadors. See, this right here is what the task requires. And this represents my ability. Right here. It's my ability. Do you see, do you see there's a little bit of a gap here? So what I, I like to call this is the sufficiency gap.
And that sufficiency gap does something on the inside of me that maybe you can relate to. It causes some fear. <laughs> and it causes some intimidation. Because of this gap right here. Anybody else relate to that? Because sometimes when I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh boy, I've been sent, I've been commissioned, I'm an ambassador for Jesus. I mean, it sounds wonderful, but God, do you know who you sent? <laughs> like, have, have you taken a close look at me recently? I mean, I'm a, I, I can be a bit of a mess, really, God, you know? I'm a, I'm a little bit broken, maybe a lot broken, you know, depending on who you ask. Um, I'm, I feel weak, I feel insufficient. But here's the, the good news. The first disciples felt the same way. The first disciples who received this sending, commissioning, and making of ambassadoring, <laughs> they, they felt insufficient too. All of the disciples forsook Jesus and fled when he was betrayed by Judas, Matthew 26. And even after seeing Jesus in person, in the flesh, some of them doubted. I mean, I haven't seen Jesus in the flesh, but I would think that if I had, I, you know, I'm like, oh, the doubts would disappear, but apparently not. Apparently, it is possible to see the risen Lord Jesus in the flesh and still have doubts. This is encouraging to me. I don't know about you, but this is encouraging to me. Let's, let's go back to that verse that I read about, as the Father sent me, so I send you. I want you to see what's going on in this, in this passage. In, in John chapter 20, right before Jesus says those powerful words, okay? Verse 19, on the evening of that first day of the week, that's when Jesus rose again from the dead, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. I so appreciate how the Bible is real. It doesn't like gloss over stuff and try and make the disciples look like superheroes. You know, Captain America and Iron Man and, you know, Wonder Woman. No, it doesn't do that. It, it tells us the way it really was. These disciples are so afraid that they are in hiding behind locked doors. If I were Jesus, I would be having second thoughts at this point. You know, I'd be like, guys, you're my best 11. You know, one of them has betrayed him, right, Judas? You're all I've got left. Guys, you're my best 11. What are you doing? I'd be thinking, maybe I should delay my ascension plans. You know, the whole returning to the Father thing, maybe, maybe I should just stick it out for another three years, you know, just teach them a little bit more, get them ready, you know. But Jesus is not concerned by their hiding. He's not concerned by their doubting. He's not concerned by their fear. And he's not concerned by ours either. Because look what he says next. After this, after these guys are hiding, shaking in their boots behind locked doors, Jesus shows up in the midst of them, just poof, in the middle of them. 
And he shows them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw him, the Lord. And Jesus said, peace with you. Now, what does he say next? As the Father sent me, so I send you. Right after, in the middle of them hiding behind locked doors for fear of the Jews, Jesus sends them. So here's what I want us to see this morning. You don't have to get rid of all your fear in order to be sent. Isn't that good? This is, this is what Jesus is doing. Because Jesus knew who these 11 disciples were. He knew their fear. He knew their second guessing. He knew their doubts. He knew their anxieties. He knew their questions and he sent them anyway. Isn't that good? Oh man, so good. See, because Jesus knows that you and I, we're all jars of clay. We're all fragile people. Even on our best day, there is a fragility to us. He knows that we're often afraid. He knows that we often doubt. He knows that we have insecurities and inadequacies, even pastors. <laughs> he knows that maybe we feel a little bit ashamed that we feel afraid. You know, the, the devil doesn't help us out on this one. He's like, man, you call yourself a Christian, Nathan. You can't even go over and talk to that person about all the wonderful things Jesus has done for you. <laughs> you call yourself a Christian. You should be ashamed of yourself. You know, things going on on the inside of us. Jesus knows about all this stuff, and he sends us anyway. Because our insecurities, our failures, our fragility are not a problem to God. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6 and 7. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Why do we have this treasure in jars of clay? Why does God pick jars of clay to put his treasure in? The gospel, the message. Why jars of clay? Why us? Why fragile, inadequate, weak, doubting people like us? Why? There's a reason. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Here's, here's what I want you to see. Your fragility, my fragility, is not an obstacle to God's plan. It is part of the plan. Isn't that good? Your fragility, your doubts, your fears, they're not an obstacle to God's plan. They're not an obstacle to God accomplishing what he wants to through your life. They are actually part of the plan. Why? Because God wants to reveal his glory, not through perfect people, but through people like you and me. And Jesus knows that we're weak in ourselves. He knows that we're all incomplete, that we're all in process. He knows this. 2 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul is facing an obstacle. He's stressed, he's anxious, and he asked Jesus multiple times to deal with the thing that's deal that he's dealing with, to get rid of it. What does Jesus say to him? My grace 
is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's true that I am insufficient. But God's grace is not. God's grace is more than sufficient. And what God wants to do is he wants to add his grace to my life. See, our weakness, your weakness, does not disqualify you or me. It positions us to receive Christ's power. That's what Jesus said to Paul. When you're weak, that's when you're strong, because I am going to give you my power. And we are all made competent by God. You know, you may feel insufficient. You may feel incompetent, like I do a lot of the time, to do what Jesus has called me to do. But God is the one who makes us competent. You and I, we don't bring competence to the table. We don't bring competence to the table. God makes us competent. Even the Apostle Paul felt incompetent. Did you know that? We, we tend to think the Apostle Paul's like the fourth member of the Trinity. You know, he's, he's pretty much perfect. He's, he's, he's like this much lower than Jesus on the rank of perfection. But he also had issues. You can read about them in the New Testament. And he also felt insufficient. After he's explained in, in 2 Corinthians 2 about how we're to show and share the love of Jesus, paraphrase, he says... Who is equal to such a task? <laughs> That's what he says. Verse 16. Who is equal? Who's sufficient? Who's adequate for this task that we have been given? The, the rhetorical response is no one. Right? 2 Corinthians 3, the next chapter, he says, Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent or sufficient or adequate in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Isn't that amazing? Jesus wants to make you competent. He wants to make you sufficient, wants to make me sufficient for what he is sending us to do. You don't bring competence to the table and Jesus is like, wow, you're so qualified. I'm going to send you. <laughs> He looks at you and he says, Nathan, I know, I know you feel weak. I know you've got lots of doubts. I know you see the brokenness on the inside of you. I know you feel insufficient, but I'm sending you. I am sending you anyway because I will make you sufficient for what I am calling you to do. It doesn't mean that we can't learn some things. And, you know, get some training, grow in certain areas. I, I mean, I'm in seminary right now. I'm there because I want to grow. I want to learn some things. And I believe God directed me to do that. But our training and our growth, um, if we put confidence in it, it actually becomes an obstacle to God working through us, not a help. 
if we get our eyes off of, off of the fact that God is the one who makes us competent. See, because, you, know, you know, I'm in seminary. Doesn't that sound impressive, right? Wow. Pastor Nathan's in seminary. That's about the difference it makes right there. It, there's still, I mean, may, maybe you get a doctorate. Ooh, now you're up here. Do you see there's still a massive gap? Because what Jesus has called all of us to do is impossible in our own strength. We are insufficient until the sun goes down. We are. But Jesus makes us sufficient. He makes us competent. How does he do this? Do you want to know how Jesus does that? <laughs> All right. Thanks, Millard. Knew I could count on you. Let's go back to John 20, where Jesus does the whole I'm sending you as the Father sent me thing. Listen to it from 19 through 22. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came, he just showed up, stood among them and said, peace be with you. After this he said, after he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. Listen to the next words. These are critical words. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Do you notice the connection? As the Father sent me, so I send you. Well, what happened when Jesus was baptized and heard the voice of the Father from heaven? This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And then went in and started his ministry. What happened? The Holy Spirit came and descended on Jesus and Jesus has just said, as the Father is sending, has sent me, I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit that makes the difference. Acts 1.8. Oh, finally, we're in the book of Acts, guys. <laughs> just as Jesus is about to ascend to the Father, he said to them, you will receive power. Oh, and by the way, Wait. Until you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. See, God makes us competent through the Spirit of grace. The Holy Spirit in the book of Hebrews is called the Spirit of grace. My grace is sufficient for you. My spirit is sufficient for you. My power flowing through my spirit is sufficient for you. It's true. I am insufficient. You are insufficient. We're weak. We doubt. We have issues. We're a little bit messed up. <laughs> but God's grace and God's spirit are not. They are sufficient. See, what God does is he fills the gap.
And the Bible tells us that this intimidation and fear can go when we, in humility, offer our weakness and our insufficiency and our fear to God. That humility causes God to release his grace into our life. And the spirit of grace, God's ability, fills the sufficiency gap. You will always not have enough ability. And that is part of the plan. It is not an obstacle to God. God is not like, when will these people increase their abilities so that they can do what I've called them to do? Again, there is a place for learning and growing and so on and so forth. But we can never depend on those things because they will never be enough. Because what God has called us to do, the what the task requires is far more than any education that you could get. It's far more than any course on evangelism you could go to <laughs> could give you. It requires the spirit of grace. It requires God's ability if it's going to happen. If God has given you a task to do, he will always fill the sufficiency gap. He, he's never going to send us into a task and not give us what we need to fulfill it. It doesn't matter what it is. He will fill the sufficiency gap. God isn't looking for your perfection or your incredible skill. <laughs> he is looking for your willingness, for my willingness, just to say, God, I, here I am. I mean, you, you wanted to, like, like Isaiah said, it's pronounced Isaiah. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Sounds more holy that way, right? <laughs> just like Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Not because I've got everything together, but I'm willing, God, because I believe you're big enough to use someone like me, to work through someone like me. Do you, do you believe God's big enough to work through someone like you? I believe he is. And I can see you right here in front of me. I still believe it. <laughs> see, through the Holy Spirit, God redeems our brokenness. He redeems our weaknesses. He redeems that fragility, and he uses it for his glory. I want you to think about this for a moment. What can you relate to more? People's awesomeness or their weakness? <laughs> Have you ever, you ever seen someone just at the top of their game, just, wow, you know, wow, you're so awesome, I can relate. <laughs> or... Someone who shares a story of just how messed up they are. And you're like, wow, I'm glad I'm not the only one. I can relate. You know what the irony is? We want to get ourselves to this, you know, place where we got stuff figured out. At least, you know, maybe 75, 80. It would be wonderful if it was 100. But 75, God, you know, if, if you could just heal me up to that 75, then I'd be ready. And what God says is, you know what, Nathan? If I'm going to work through you to reconcile people far from me to me, I'm actually going to work through your weakness, not through your awesomeness, as awesome as he thinks we are. <laughs> he actually works through the things that we think disqualify us. 
Jesus wants us to see our brokenness and our weakness differently. He wants us to see them differently. See, if I think that these things, whatever my brokenness and weakness is, makes it impossible for God to work through me and send me, what I'm actually saying is this, that God, your power, your grace, your spirit is actually not up to the task because my brokenness and my weakness and my insufficiency is so huge, it's bigger than you, God. (laughs) Isn't that what we're saying? Do we really believe that? Is that what Scripture shows us? It's not. Because every single person in Scripture that God works through and sends is just like you and me. With weakness, with doubt, with fragility, they are insufficient, and God makes them sufficient. And that's what he wants to do with you and I. Jesus doesn't see my brokenness, weakness, and insufficiency as the enemy to his mission. It is part of what he uses to accomplish his mission. All he's looking for is for you and me to surrender that stuff to him, to lay it down. Just say, Jesus, like Isaiah, here I am, here I am. Don't feel worthy, don't feel adequate, don't feel like I've got all the right answers. I I feel a little bit broken, God, but here I am. Send me. That's what he wants to do. And as we do that, as we get our eyes off of our brokenness and our weakness and we fix them on Jesus, Hebrews 12 says, the author and finisher of our faith, God does something miraculous that brings him glory. Everybody else knows that our ability is here. Sometimes we think, you know, I've got to fake it till I make it. No, you don't. Everybody knows your ability is here. What they get to see when we say, God, send me, is God's ability. That's what draws people. It's not because we say it so well. It's not because we've got it all together. It's not because we're perfect. It's because we have said, Here am I, send me, and God fills the sufficiency gap. And people see it, and they behold the glory of God, his ability, his strength. And that is what convinces them (laughs) that Jesus is who he says he is, that Jesus has the ability to heal and restore them as well. That's what draws people. We're going to go back into worship right now. Would you stand with me? And what, what I want to encourage you to do is just close your eyes for a moment and maybe the Holy Spirit's already shown you what it is that is going on in your own life that is causing you to back away from being sent. <laughs> maybe you already see it. Maybe it is weakness. Maybe it is brokenness. Maybe it's your past. Maybe it's something you did yesterday. I don't know what it is, but God does. And what I want to encourage you to do is to take that, that stuff that's caused you to not embrace becoming part of the mission.
that Jesus is sending you into and lay it down. Lay it down. Exchange your weakness for God's sufficiency. And as we do that, God will do great things through us, individually, as families, and as a church family. Can you imagine if all of us could get our eyes off of our brokenness and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is greater than our brokenness and just say, here we are, God. Here here we are, this group in Bloomingdale, Ontario. God, here we are, send us. What What would happen? People would get to see the grace of God. People would get to see the power of God and people would be drawn to Jesus. So let's lay it down. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit sink today's message into your heart, to let it transform you and bring new life. If you want to learn more about Koinonia, you can go to kcf.life to get connected. Thank you for being a part of our community. If today's message encouraged you, we would love for you to rate it and review it and share it with a friend. We love you. Let's continue to build God's kingdom together.